Let's get going. Let's get active. Now is the time. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the time to, to do great things. Just like we've said in the youth, we've said it in here many times. What I'm looking for and what, I'm, what I'm, I, I got my ear towards is I'm waiting when, when revival erupts in your home, at your work. Then I hear the noise. Oh, guess what? I led my coworker to Christ today. Oh, guess what? My aunt got saved and took a knee, and, and we, we had this moment. Guess what? That's what we're waiting for. Don't wait on your pastor to try to save the world. I'm not the Savior. I need Jesus. Please know that just because I'm a shepherd doesn't mean I'm not a sheep. I still need the shepherd daily. I'm a dumb sheep sometimes, and there was moments when I was the black sheep sometimes. Whatever color sheep you want to call me. It didn't matter, but I was still a sheep. And I'm still a sheep, and I still have to listen, and I still have to stay in tune. And, and No, go ahead, son. Go this way. No, go this way. Stay in tune. But let God use you. Let him use you to speak truth. Let him use you to lead people. We all have platforms, church. Sometimes we use them well, sometimes we don't. We, we, we see platforms, in a, in like social media. We all have platforms. What are we doing with it? What are we bringing to the Lord? What are we bringing and what are we letting people see of the Lord? You know how they're like, don't fight fire with fire. Every time something happens, whether it's government or whatever, there's always fire with fire. What are we doing as prayerful? What are we doing with the parents? What are we doing with the children? What are we doing with the pregnant women? What are we doing with the unknown? What are we doing where there's confusion? What are we doing? Can I say it this way? The world doesn't need your opinion. They need Jesus. Yeah. It doesn't matter what you think or what you feel. The world doesn't need your opinion to make it change. They need Jesus. And what you say and what you speak and the things that you do, I'm telling you right now, you better be knowing that they are founded in the Word of God and that they are based biblically in the Word of God. Well, look where we've been, love. I mean, I don't want to get deep into this conversation because this is going to all come together. But for the last so many weeks, we've been talking about we declare war against the enemy towards our family. We declare war against the enemy towards our children. We declare war, and you, if, if you were hiding under a rock and you, you, you haven't connected with media or news and you didn't hear the news about this whole thing with the unborn child. Look at the fight for life. Look at what's going on. Now, the, the thing that's blown my mind, and I'm not want to get deep into this, but this is why it's so important that we help be a light. Because I don't know if you've seen throughout social media and the news how there's just so much chaos with whatever the decision was. The decision could have went the other way and it could have been so much chaos. The decision goes the right way in a way of like bringing pro-life and this and that and there's still so much chaos. And so what does the church do? What do you do? Now, me personally, if I'm just being personal, I'm, I'm struggling to save a well and kill a kid. If I'm going to be real about it. And I get there's other sides to both sides, but what does the church do? What do we do as a church? What do you do to, to save people? What do you do with the, with the next steps of this? 
Because there's people saying all kinds of stuff, but it doesn't matter. What does God say? And what has he given us to strengthen us to do the right thing? When there's like, okay, well, there's going to need to be more help in family. There's going to be, need, what about people adopting? What about this and that? What, things will unfold, but if the church will rise up individually, there will be a lot done. If the church would for real rise up, if over 200 churches in just this one city would rise up, but imagine in every community of churches, all of them rising up to help. We wouldn't have all the chaos. We would know that the church is here. The people wouldn't go to the government. They would go to the church. That was the whole purpose of the church, to be here and be a part, but not to say, I'm going to rely on the government. No, I'm going to come to the house of the Lord because they're going to help me. The church is here. Remember when we first gave away food in 2020, and I told you a story about this crazy guy sitting on the sidewalk running around the neighborhood saying, the church is here. Open your doors. The church is here. They're here to help. The church is here. It was like a modern day John the Baptist in the hood. (laughs) But that's the reality. What is the church going to do? And here's the fight we're having. Do you hear the sound? And if you hear the sound, we have to rally because God will fight for us. If not, look what we're seeing. Everybody's doing their own rallying which is another word, but then they're fighting against each other. What are we doing? Let's read that. I want you to turn with us to Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 19 through 20, and then we're going to go into chapter 5, verses 1 through 13. And it says it like this. And I said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, the work is great and widely spread, And we are separated on the wall, far from one another. And in the place where you hear the sound of the trumpet rally to us there, our God will fight for us. Amen. This is a different version, and it says in chapter 5, About that time, some of the men and their wives raised a cry of protest against their fellow Jews. They were saying, we have such large families, we need more food to survive. Hold on. Does that sound real right now? That any sound real right now? Anybody else need extra food right now? Others said, we have mortgaged our fields and vineyards and homes to get food during the famine. And others have said, we have had to borrow money on our fields and vineyards to pay our taxes. We belong to the same family as those. We belong to the same family as those who are wealthy and our children are just like theirs. Yet we must sell our children into slavery. Just to get enough money to live, we have already sold some of our daughters, and we are helpless to do anything about it, for our fields and vineyards are already mortgaged to others. When I heard their complaints, I was very angry. After thinking it over, I spoke out against these nobles and officials, and I told them, you are hurting your own relatives by charging interest when borrowing money. Then I called a public meeting to deal with the problem. At the meeting, I said to them, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who have had to sell themselves to pagan foreigners, but you are selling them back into slavery again. How often must we redeem them? And they had nothing to say in their defense. And then I pressed further. What you are doing is not right. Should you not walk in the fear of God in order to avoid being mocked by enemy nations? I myself, as well as my brothers and my workers, have been lending the people money and grain, but now let us stop this business of charging interest. 
You must restore their fields, vineyards, olive groves, and homes to them this very day and repay the interest you charged when you lent them money, grain, new wine, and olive oil. They replied, we will give back everything and demand nothing more from the people. We will do as you say. Then I called the priest and made the nobles and officials swear to do what they had promised. I shook out the folds of my robe and said, if you fail to keep your promise, may God shake you like this from your homes and your property. The whole assembly responded, amen. And they praised the Lord and the people did as they had promised. There's two things that are going on right here. And the title of the message today is Rivaling and Rallying. Rivaling and Rallying. To rival. To be in competition with. To strive. To be equal or excel one another. To strive. To win or outdo. It's a person or a group that tries to defeat or be more successful than another group or person. To rally is to come together in order to continue fighting after a defeat or dispersion. To join in a common cause. To come together again to renew an effort. To bring into order again. To inspire anew and to encourage spirits. Rivaling and rallying. I just want to ask this question because I'm going to take you back just a little bit. Does anybody remember, and I don't know how they do it now in these days, but does anybody remember your uh, high school, any pep rallies that you ever had in your day and age? Like, like major pep rallies. Like I can remember when we had pep rallies, they were a big thing. Um, we were all about the pride of the school. It didn't matter if we were terrible. We, will, we were still all about it. You know what I'm saying? Like, we would chant and get together. And I can remember um, in my high school, like, they would literally decorate the whole gym, um, which was probably only as big as this sanctuary. But uh, I went to a really small school. I only graduated with 53 people. So, but the fact of it is, is I can remember in that school, even though we were so small, we felt so big and we felt so loud. And I can remember they would decorate and like, we would really get going and cheer and cheer on the team and, and that rivaling and rallying. See, we were, we were rallying to fight our rival. And at that point, it didn't matter whether we were freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. We were just all a part of the same team. And it didn't matter if you played football or not at that time. You were still as much a part as the team as those who were on the field. And I can remember going on Friday night to the games, and we would be setting. You could hear the stands. They were packed out. I mean, we were a little country town, but we were packed out, and they were all about us winning. And we had a major rival during homecoming, and it, it was our, our team was the Lathrop Mules. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me now, but mules. it is very funny. Is yes, funny. go mules. And then, um, <laughs> and th- don't say anything smart either, because I was just waiting I'm for it to come. I'm holding my tongue. And so, it's weird. But I'm holding. And then we, uh, <laughs> yeah, we played the Plattsburgh, I believe it was the Tigers at that time. And so, I mean, if you just think about that in reality, the Tigers and the mules. That doesn't really work out that way. But, I mean, you know, we had hope. But the fact of it was, was we were actually really good at football at that time. And it was, that was our huge rival at that moment. And what's crazy is 
I can just remember the excitement because pep rallies were meant to build what? Team spirit. And see, I, I was thinking about this with Nehemiah is that Nehemiah was like the head coach. He was like the head of all of it. You know what I'm saying? And he's bringing everybody together to rally up team spirit, which was for team Jesus. And he was trying to build up the spirit in the people so that they knew where their power came from and what would take place. It's good. And like I said, again, you know, when we played sports and stuff, I can remember what took place was that it wasn't about, again, whether we were, you know, a upperclassmen or a lower classmen, we were just all the same team. Well, like I told her, I was like, but you don't know nothing about Terre Haute. No, I the don't. Whole, the, the whole thing was always north versus south. Yep. I think West Vigo lived on another country or something, <laughs> but they some corn-fed bread. You know what I mean? They could probably beat both the teams. They just weren't in the right division, I guess. And if you grew up here, you knew all about that, and it's still a thing yeah. this fall you'll find the battle, and adults are involved in it. it. It's not even only about a school. It's about the adults. It's about the whole family units. It's, yep. it's not even just football, but then it becomes basketball. We want the bell. We want the shoe. And it became a huge, huge thing. And so, like, like for you, the same thing. It didn't matter if we were trash or not. We were, we were so excited. We could go out there and just, they were so hype that it didn't matter how good they were or weren't. They were going to go out there and win because that's, that's what they felt in the room. The, the excitement and the anticipation and the hypeness of that. I, I think at times what, where we get to sometimes is to a place, and you think about this with Christians and churches and, 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 and just doing church life is like, why are we so quiet about God and loud about everything else? You know, if, that's why, like, when we say life is better together and you belong here and all that stuff, when you start encouraging each other in the Lord, it helps give you a little boost in your step. Yeah. And, and listen, I get it. You're, just because you say that to me, it does help. But I, I know eventually I have to find my source in God. I can't be chasing you down so you can keep encouraging me all day. You see what I'm saying? And, but, but there's something about the house of God. Like, when we were just doing worship there was something about just hearing you. Yeah. Your worship to the Lord was just amplifying what we were doing. And so we just kept it going. So we're all in this, when we're rallying together. And see, what's crazy with Nehemiah, when he goes to rebuild this wall, Nehemiah just don't walk up and start rebuilding the wall. Guess what Nehemiah does? Because there were people crying and tore up. You, you, you feel that in your own family. You feel that with things around the community. And they're, they're crying. They show up on the scene like, oh my gosh. All I've heard is the old tales. All I've heard was the old, old Hebrew songs about this land and about how holy and how good it is. And it's all jacked up. Yeah. And so there were people just falling on their knees and losing their minds. And Nehemiah's standing back. He's just... I don't know if he's just trying to hold it together for people, but I think there's something when you become a leader, there's something that changes inside of you that you look at things and you gotta, you got to help make decisions and do something about it. So when everybody went to sleep, guess what Nehemiah did? He gathered a handful of people and said, we got to go walk this property yeah. without everybody because everybody's opinion is going to try to destroy this whole thing. Oh, there's no way. We can't do that. What did he do? He walked around and saw. He's, just because, listen, I, I can give you hope today, church. 
Just because the walls, things are a mess doesn't mean God can't use those things to keep rebuilding. Those pieces were still there. All they needed to do was pick them back up. There were some things, but the only really thing that they really had to rebuild on some was doors because they burnt down. But the big pieces were just falling over. They just needed to be picked back up. But he had to, before this prep rally, before all of them rallying together, he had to do his homework and understand. Just like when you go to school and do all that stuff. What do they do? They watch the tape. They get ready. They see how they work and where their weaknesses are. And they get ready. Then they rally everybody together and they get it going. But this is the house of God. So we have to get to a place in ourselves to say, we have to rally. We have to rally. And if it starts here and then we make a rally out there somewhere or whatever it looks like, we still have to rally. But what happens is there's all the, the rivals. Then there, it's a mess. And what's funny is like when you deal with North and South, <coughs> it's wild. They're, they're painting themselves. You walk past them and it's like the plague because they're just so dedicated to their side. And you see that happen a little bit when, when we step it up to college, when, when they pay the big bucks to have IU come and ISU beat them and pay them to beat them. That happened. But what do we hope for? Oh, hope we can get back to the 70s like Larry Bird and his tall socks and, you know, short shorts, you know. Like we're still stuck with Larry Bird's achievements. <laughs> What's going to happen now? Look, that, that was good for that era, but what's, look what the Lord is doing now. This happens in church, guys. This Remember that moment you had that you encountered God? Why are you still stuck on that? He's still good. He can do more things. That's right. I'm not saying that that's not important, but if you're making that a shrine, you've made everything. You, you're not going to experience all the good stuff he has today. That's, good. that's what happens how churches get trapped. We got to do it this way, and this has to be here, and this flag here, and this over here, and this has to, has to happen like this, and this needs to be right here. We have to mimic this because that's how it was when, the, when God moved that one time. But that's where the enemy comes in, and exactly. that's how he begins to work. Not saying your one time wasn't good. No. I'm just saying that he's so good, he can make a new time. He's so good, he can do something different. And as you've watched Jesus just or read about him, he's not always the same. No. In, in how he delivers that. There was moments where he was, get up, okay. There was moments where he's slapping mud and eyes. He said, go to the water. Go again. No, go again. Then he's giving some wet willies. Then he's like, <laughs> like if you really watch Jesus, he's so crazy and out of the box of how he's doing it. All he has to do is speak to it and it's done. But he was so different in how he does it. And here's the thing. We're like, I'm just waiting on God to move. Really? We're blaming God for your lack of integrity? Are you serious? We're waiting on God. Just waiting on God. What's, what's, sorry, God's in the bathroom. Take but two. how can you hear? You know, like, how can you hear that? How can you hear God? And this is what happened in chapter 5. Was what happened is Nehemiah here, he's calling the people to rally together and to begin to building the walls. And in the midst of that, yeah. there wasn't a focus truly on the rival that was outside of them because they began rivaling amongst themselves. And the problem of it is, is that the greatest weapon the enemy has against any team unit is to create rivals within. Because if you're focused on the problems within, you cannot focus on the problem without that you really need to be focusing so on. So good. 
Matthew 12, 25, and I want to read it to you, says it like this. It says, Jesus knew their thoughts and replied, any kingdom divided by civil war is doomed. A town or family splintered by feuding will fall apart. My goodness. See, we heard it. President Lincoln, he paraphrased this scripture by saying a house divided cannot stand. But it was biblical, and it was what Jesus had begun to say, because a house that is rivaling cannot stand. And, and they were. I mean. They were arguing and bickering, and they, honestly, they were taking each other for granted. They were cheating them out of their. I love what he says, because yeah. he said, you have literally, I'm looking back up here where it says it, but it says, we are doing all we can to redeem our Jewish relatives who had to have sell themselves, but you're selling them again. You're doing, you are hurting your own relatives is what he says. And the fact of it is, is that we have to understand that as not only our families that we are fighting for, but we are fighting for the family and the body of Christ. And we are relatives in that. And so what's happened is God has uh, been trying to get us to rally together, but the enemy has been building so much contempt within the, the church itself. I'm not just talking about here. I'm talking about just in general across the whole as the church that there's been these bickering and complaining and arguing over things that don't even matter. And God's really wanting to start moving, but the problem is, is we get too busy rivaling sometimes that we cannot hear the sound of the trumpet when he's wanting us to rally. You know, we face this, love, and I know this is, this is a little off, not, but not all the way. When we're dealing with, like he was saying, look, I'm borrowing, I'm borrowing money to pay my taxes. I'm borrowing money to, anybody else had to borrow money to get gas or borrow money to get <laughs> Look where we are today with the way everything is, trying to figure out, should we take two cars? Should we just wait? Should we? Well, we might not. And trying to get to where we're going. And the problem that we keep bickering about is like the way this is. Well, man, if this would have been different, if they would have done this, why don't they just release this? And why don't they do this? If the other president would have been in. And that, we're having all this stuff, but we, what, what we have to realize is, like Jesus said, give what belongs to Rome because they were trying to trap him in it. Are you going to pay tax? Go give what, what belongs. And they did. But guess what they were doing? They were still rallying under the cause. What, are, what do we need to do? Rally under what is wor the word of God. So, things are going to get crazy. You're not exempt from the crazy. But you've got to have peace during the crazy. Or you're going to be crazy. And, and that's where we have to rally and not all this other stuff. that you, you How much waste of time have you spent arguing about other things that... You can't change. Or watching the news. Woo. I mean, you let it feed you so much, but you should be letting your word feed you. That's what should be feeding you. This is what is going to get you through the next season that we're going through in this world. And if you spend so much time, see, sometimes I think the problem of it is, is we get so focused on our rival that we don't realize that we have become a part of cheering on our rival instead of being a part of rallying with God because we think that our complaints and things are a part of the big plan, but they're not. All you are is being a part of the problem. Well, it's like I told last week is where are your footsteps leading? That's right. If it leads it to the, the whole rivaling, or is it leading it to the rally? That's right. Because we can go over there and make our, our, our point and make our statements, and, and, and guess what? Our family's involved in that now. But like you said, where are your footsteps leading? The problem of it is, is that I can remember one scripture in the Word that says 
the, righteous, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by faith. And they're ordered by God. And the thing of it is, is when we focus into God and what he's doing in us, we should be led and directed by him. And we shouldn't be surprised with things that are going on because this has been going on since the very beginning. Since the very beginning of time, it all began with selfish ambition. Yeah. It was to be the best, to have the best, to be better than anyone else. And you, if you don't believe me, let's look at a few examples in the word that it gives us. Let's look at how Satan fell from heaven. How did that happen? Because of his selfish ambition, he rivaled with God to be God. How about Cain and Abel? Cain rivaled with Abel for whose sacrifice was better and ended up killing his brother because of his selfish ambition. Even the altar of God was turned into a place of rivalry. Mm. What about Jacob and Esau? And how Rebecca and Isaac had favoritism within the family. Jesus. And it caused rivalry between the two boys for the firstborn birthright. Do you realize this happens today? That there's favoritism within families and we wonder why our siblings are arguing and there's so much rivalry within. And I think part of it is because we have to look at parentally, what are we doing that's affecting that? I'm not saying that every sibling rivalry is caused because of parents, but we have to be careful of where we put ourselves in our position as parents in these days and how we handle with our children. Well, just like those two brothers that we were talking about, Jacob and Esau, what happened was a parent would turn a blind eye. And when you do that, guess what you're doing? You've already created rivals. Yep. And you wonder why they're acting like that, but you started it. You created this whole thing. And that's what's the, the craziest thing is the mom, she just kept on doing that. Yeah. And she kept on just getting in his ear and, and saying stuff and, and then turning a blind eye to things and then say, well, you should do this. Well, if you do it like this, this is going to help your father in this area. And do you see where the... Then she you, wanted then what have, she wanted. Exactly. That then was you the fact. The, the siblings rivaling over stuff that wasn't even theirs to rival over. No. They I, should be rallying together. That's right. They should rally together to succeed together. and build. But there was a, issues from and it separated them. the adult. Yeah. It goes further than that. What about rivalry between the Jews and the Gentiles? Who was better and who deserved God's forgiveness? What about rivalry in the church between the Pharisees with the religious law and Jesus himself? Yeah. And here in this story, it's between families building the walls over food the and taxes and all the different things yeah. that took place. But as we go to this story, it makes me think about how today's society is a spitting image of the word of God. 2,000 years ago, we're still having the same problems that we had then. This is nothing new. But what's so awesome about it is that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And his word can get us through what happened 2,000 years ago to today. Yeah. And we have to focus on who he is. But we cannot hear the rally cry if we are yeah too busy crying ourselves and rivaling good, between our good. families and rivaling between our spouses and our children and our parents and our and the extended families and our school teachers and our presidents and our all the other things we cannot continue growing and get rallied together if we are too busy crying and rivaling mm. we're in that place of time where God's rallying his church 
The problem is I think we've put too many faces to the enemy instead of fighting the rival himself, Satan. Yeah. It says in the word that we don't fight against flesh and blood. So why are we continuing to waste our time doing so? I'm not saying that things haven't happened that aren't right. And yes, you have to take a stand. But the pick your battles of what you're going to be outraged about. And the fact of it is, again, is that the world doesn't need your opinion. They need the word of God. So the best way to fight so anything, instead of being your opinion as the first thing you put out on any social media platform, when was the last time you just posted a scripture about Jesus Christ and how good he is? The best way to combat evil is with good. You pile keeping coals on top of the head with love and grace and mercy and kindness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. Evil versus evil. It, it, it doesn't, doesn't get, work that way. When you begin to fight something with your flesh, you're in the flesh, which means you're in the same spirit and you both are in the same pep rally together. Step out of the wrong pep rally and get into the right one with Jesus Christ and rally to the Spirit of God. Was, the reality is in that when you're doing the right thing and you're rallying and you're standing on the Word of God, guess what it is? You become light. And light and darkness don't mix. So if there is a rival within the darkness or whatever, you don't have to turn the light off and get in their business. You just keep the light on and watch it expose. And stand back and let God do what God does best. You're not trying to destroy nobody or anything. You just need to be the light because what happens? What's hidden always comes to the light. Amen. No joke. It always does. And so you can call it what you want, but when you stand in the light and you keep shining the light of Jesus on the situation, they're going to exhaust their words and start repeating themselves in the chaos that they're in. But you stand and continue to be the light. Because two things are going to happen. The light is going to expose, which will cause a conviction, which cause the Holy Spirit to come in and transform the life. Or the person in the darkness is going to step further back into the darkness. Yeah. But you can't do nothing about that. That's because it's, it's not up That's to right. you. That's right. You're not their savior. It's good. And even a, a, a large situation, you just be the light. Yeah. And let the light continue to shine. That's how, and guess what? When you rally together with other light, it gets a lot brighter. And that's how the walls are built. There's no way they would have built those walls in 52 days if they would have stayed in this one spot rivaling against one another. It doesn't get anything done. But what I love that it says in the end of that scripture in verse 13, it talks about how the whole assembly responded, amen, and they praised the Lord, and the people did as they had promised. They kept in the word of what they were given that they knew was right by themselves and stayed in the word of God. And what's crazy about it is I didn't see or hear of any of them, you know, what would have happened if they would have said, well, why do I have to help them now? I've done my part. I've done my part. My part's put together. When that goes in, I mean, what would have happened if that trumpet sound went off and they were like, ah, oh, they got it. It's good. Because they said they're so far apart on the wall that they can't really just, but they could hear the sound. And if you hear the sound come running, because God will fight for you. What they're trying to say is the enemy has found a way in or trying yeah. to. Everybody needs to gather. God will fight for us. That's right. But if you're rivaling with each other, okay, let's see who can build it first. Oh, I got my section done. Well, we're done. You didn't work as hard as we did. So 
shame on you. How about remember that time they took that money from me and I had to pay them taxes for extra food? Yeah. They, you remember know what? I'm going to let them know what it feels like. Yeah, that's what it feels like. Let's just leave. Let me, can I tell you something real quick? If your wall's done and theirs is not, you still lose. That's right. Because the whole wall's still not done. That's right. If your section's done and theirs isn't, you still lose. Because there's still a way in. And so when you rally, you rally across and you do whatever it takes to build the walls. Well, our selfish ambition, ambition yeah. can cause us to Absolutely. cheat ourselves and others out of the blessing. You may think, like you said, that you've got it all together, but guess what? If theirs isn't done, you're still not blessed. If you don't follow and obey what God has told you and given you to do, you're still not blessed. You may think you have all the things in the world together, but when the end comes down to it, What's your blessing coming from, your rival or your rally point? Because Jesus Christ is our major rally point, and he's the one that we should rally to daily to know where our blessings come from. Mm. I think if they would have continued to go, their selfish ambition in this moment, in this one small chapter right here, would have caused the whole wall to fall and fail. I think it could have caused it to literally it, it was a make it or break it moment. And I think this is where we are in the church. And I'm not saying this to like freak you out, but it's a challenge. We as the church are literally at a make it or break it moment in the spirit to know what we are supposed to do. There's got to be, we talked about grit a, lo a long time ago, but there's got to be that grit and that gumption that rises up in you to know what you are rallying to and what you are rallying behind. See, Cain... His selfish ambition caused a rivalry that defeated nobody but himself yep. and destroyed the family that he loved. He lost his brother. He was exiled from his family, and he lost the blessing of the gift God had given him to work the land. And you know what's the sad thing about all of it? If you read Genesis 4-7, if you read that scripture, God says to uh, Cain, or to, yeah, he says to Cain, he says to him in it that, could you not have been just as blessed as your brother if you just would have brought your best? If you just would have done your part, what you needed to do, this had nothing to do with your brother. This had everything to do with you. But when you're so focused on rivaling between one another, it's real easy to focus on what somebody else is doing and getting that you are not so that you can blame everybody else around you. But look within. Yeah. That's what rivaling does because our selfish ambition will never cause us to look at self. It just causes self to be lifted higher. So good. Well, that's like, and I, I'm not here promoting movies, but we watched a movie last night, and one of the boys in the movie was saying, listen, and the dad was teaching them, listen, when you score, we all score. Yep. When you win, we all win. And it was just talking about getting out of poverty and trying to, you know, it was a whole family trying to provide for their family. Like every kid was working and they were all providing to mm -hmm. live in their house. When you win, we all win. That's right. And, and I think that's where rivalries happen. It's like, oh, well, you're, you think you're better. Or, well, he's got to be better. Well, is he? Well, let's find out. And then there becomes a, a never-ending rivalry. We see it through generations. We see it within family. We see it with coworkers. We see it across the board. And then you beat yourself up and then you play this game. And God is all, like I said, the enemy, all he wants to do is keep separating. But you got... You, you got so much going on with the rivalry that you have forgot about that sound. He's trying to blow the trumpet to rally, and we're still over here 
going off. What's that old saying? You're too busy tooting your own horn? Yeah. But in reality, yeah. we've got a lot of people in this world too busy tooting their own horns. And it's a lot louder than what we hear as the war cry from God. Well, I wrote this down. It, it says, you've wasted too much of your life trying to change other, other people's mind about you. It's good. It doesn't matter what they think about you. God isn't going to bless you by their opinion. God is going to bless you by how you see yourself. Worried about everybody else. You start creating rivalries. You got to start rallying. You hear that cry. The steps that we're taking, like you said, are, are ordered of God. Of the righteous are ordered of God. You see the building. Then we step up. Well, they're just not strong enough. We got, I mean, this could happen in the wall. They have never built. You got to just, I guess you would say just. Really, just appreciate it if you would actually go on. You can. I mean, we got a thing called Google. If you and then some of the old Bibles have maps. If you would go watch and look at the map of Nehemiah and how they built that in 52 days is unreal. That entire wall, all the way around Jerusalem, and is that whole wall was built right there in the center of that whole thing. And the enemy was camping all around, and people were pulling them down. Hey, Nehemiah, won't you come down? You know, you shouldn't be. There was noise. There was chaos. There was rivalries coming up to try to come against him. And he said, no, I'm not going to put up with it. No, I'm not going to. It's not going to be a part of it. Why? God told me to do something. I'm going to keep doing it. I'm not going to lend an ear. I'm not going to turn my head. I got to keep it focused on what I need to do. Because rivalry. There will be people that will come in and try to turn your neck and ear. And it might sound good, and it even might sound like the Word of God. See, y'all act like the devil's real ignorant. He's ignorant, but he still knows the Word. He probably knows it more than you know it. But he was trying to turn and do things. Throughout history, that's all he's done is try to manipulate the Word of God and take and twist and turn and do stuff. Well, you should add this. I've always said this. Listen, if you want to read the word, read the scripture, but please read the scripture above it and below it and understand, get the full content of what it's really trying to say. Don't just grab little scriptures that just you think apply to you without knowing the whole content to it. Or you're no different than how the enemy acts. That's what he tries to do. But he tries to do that with people. And then people will try to not, you don't even know you have a rival and then you just start seeing this. Well, come down. And then here it goes. And then you keep arguing, you're supposed to be doing something like building, and you're down here arguing and you've wasted your time on something that doesn't make any sense that God has not graced you with. He's graced you to build. He's graced you to rally and do what everybody else he's called you to do. And so you have to rally. You have to build. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says it this way. You should know this, Timothy. That in the last days there will be very difficult times. For people will love money, will love only themselves and their money. They will be boastful and proud, scoffing at God, disobedient to their parents and ungrateful. They will consider nothing sacred. They will be unloving and unforgiving. They will slander others and have no self-control. They will be cruel and hate what is good. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God. They will act religious, but they will reject the power that could only make them godly. Goodness. Stay away from people like that. 
How do we rally with our families and the family of God in the middle of such craziness? Stay away from people like that. You rally to God. You choose him, you choose his ways and his plans, not yours. You put aside your selfish ambitions and you allow God to fight for you. You separate from things that are not rallying to the cause of Christ with you. And you let go of petty indifferences. You increase the power of the spirit inside of you when you rally with God daily and the spirit of power around you when you rally with those who fight for the cause of Christ with you. If we are wondering why we are struggling rallying together, you have to ask yourself, who am I rallying with right now? Mm. And who I'm rallying with, are they causing rivalry instead of rallying? And will we be willing to put the differences aside in order to come in to rally with Jesus Christ? It is my job every day to get up and read this to rally with Jesus Christ. If I do not, guess what's going to happen? The enemy is going to put little pitfalls of thoughts in my mind to cause me to try to rally to him and the world and try to rally to what's taking place. But I have to choose who I rally with on a daily basis. I have to choose where my mind is and my eyes are. Just like he said last week about this song that said, be careful little ears what you hear, be careful little eyes what you see, be careful little mouth what you speak. Feet. With feet where you go. The father up above. And the power of it is, is that God is always watching and he knows all. And if you choose to rally with him at con- in, in a consistency, what takes place is an overcoming ability to have victory in the things of your life. Well, I, I said this Thursday at the end of the sermon that was being spoke in the back. And people have a hard time with this at times. When... The, that whole thing of staying away, separating yourself. And they, they try to push this. We're well, supposed to love everybody. They push this stamp, which you are. But they push it to the point where they're, they're almost compromising what they really do believe. Does that make sense? Because I told the students, and I'm, I'm going to say it again, and I've said it in here many times. When you give your heart to the Lord and you're trying to find out who he is and you're finding the mysteries, if, like she's saying, if people are rallying, you've got to check your circle, your rally point. Who are these people? Do they bring you up? Do they bring you down? Do they gossip? Are they, are they uh, like a leech? Do they suck the life out of you? Check your text. How many times do you get a text from them? How many times do you get a call from them? Is it always one-sided? I mean, for real, you've got to do the work. But here's the reality of it, is you have to be careful because if you're, you have to separate yourself from people like that. Well, you're supposed to love. Listen, Jesus loved everybody, but he didn't hang out with everybody. Here's a prime example of it. And even the 12 disciples, he even went a step further with the four. Now, listen, if you're not strong enough, yes, you are supposed to love. And how are you supposed to witness if you can't even be around people that are non-Christian? Okay? I get that. But in yourself, if you're not strong enough to step foot in front of that situation and it causes you to stumble, you need to separate from that. Oh, I'm here just trying to witness and do this. But if you're not strong enough to not blend in, where it doesn't look any different, 
then you have to separate yourself until you are spiritually strong enough to stand in front of a situation and it doesn't dictate you because you have everything, the authority of God in you, and you're strong enough to stand through it. You have to separate yourself. But here's what we have, where we are now in this world. Just millions of eggshells that everybody walks on. You have to separate. It's okay. Listen, social media has a cool button. It's called take a break. Unfollow. <laughs> Don't you get sick of seeing that crap over and over? It's real simple. Unfollow. They even got it so far now, like you can unfollow and still be friends and take a break. Like they're trying to walk on eggshells with you so don't offend. Listen, I'm going to stand for God. I don't care who I offend. And I'm not trying to be like, like offensive in that. I, I still have to. If not, there's this rivalry. If not, there's this whole th other thing where I'm trying to please somebody. I just want to please the Lord. Check your rally point. Check your circle. Who's in them? And who do you need to separate from? It's nothing bad. Oh, you better? No, I'm not better than you. Not at all. I need him. I have to focus. And this is not a healthy relationship. My mental capacity needs more of God and less of this situation. My mental state can't handle this. No. And you can be okay to say that. You have to choose to have boundaries. But if you're not strong enough, and you're just like, well, I'm just going to go in there. I'm going to be helping, and I'm going to be. And you've slipped into it, and there you are trying to be the light, and you don't even see you anymore. That's a problem. Oh, I'm the light, and I'm helping. And then next thing you know, you're all doing the exact same thing. Well, who's who? So that's what it's like to be a Christian? You can do that, that, and that? I've heard these things. This is crazy. Man, I was trying to help, but I didn't even realize I kept turning my head towards it. Fo so focused on trying to help that I missed myself in it. And now I need help. What did I say that one sermon where the guy's at, begging at, right by the gate, he forgot, and the other guy's standing there. If we get so caught up in trying to help the person at the gate that don't want help, you forget why you went to the gate, which was to go into the temple. So this is why we check our rally, but we got to check the people that we're with. If it's okay to separate. When you have to ask God for discernment. Absolutely. I mean, not like you're out, you're out, you're cool, you're out, see ya. You know, it's, like we're it's not, not even just about people. It's, no. it's even in business dealings and the things Absolutely. that we do. We have to ask God for wisdom. And I'll give just a quick example before we get into this little end point yep. in here. We went on vacation, as all of you know. We, went, we had a great time, um, and we had an issue with our rental car when we got there. And when we got there, our rental company, I mean, we had been up for like 24 hours straight after this time by the time we landed. And Delusional. We, we, yeah, and we got in. We were hungry. We were just ready to get in a vehicle and go. And when we got to the rental place, they said, well, they said, you can put it on a, a major credit card. And I said, well, I don't really want to do that. I just have the cash. I'd rather just pay for what I have. I don't want to put anything on a major credit card. And they're like, oh, well, we can't take you then if you're not going to do that. And I said, well, then that should have been stated when you rent the vehicles that you don't take cash and you don't take credit debit cards. All you take is major credit cards. I said, then that would have been okay. So now what do we do? Because I'm not putting this on a major credit card. They said, well, we'll send you over to a friend of ours that will help you out. And I said, okay, what do we do? They said, well, they'll actually come and pick you up. 
they'll make sure that you're all together and then they'll give you a vehicle. And we're like, okay, no big deal. Will we get the same deal at the same price? And they're like, yes, they will work with you. So we go over to this business. They pick us up. Actually, they pick all five of us up with five. Well, actually, we had eight bags of luggage, five people, and they picked us up in like a little Honda CRV. <laughs> when they pulled up, I just looked at him and I go, just get in. No, just, just get in. And then my, I was trying to hold my mouth because I was like, sir, can you not see that we have five people in eight bags? Yeah, it'll work. I'm like, okay. Oh. And then I told Jen in her ear, I was like, girl, are they going to lead us to some weird place down the alley? Because I don't know anything about this. So, so I, need, I don't have no weapons. I don't. No. So we get I in mean, this I got vehicle. one gun, but, you know, the other one's not that good. But <laughs> I'm working on it. Um, then I was like, I'll fight for you. I'll, I'll, sit in the, <laughs> <laughs> I'll sit in the front seat with him just in case. I've seen weird movies, man. Yeah. You've seen The Takens and you've seen all those weird shows. Messes with you. It does. I know karate because I watched Karate Kid. You know what I'm saying? So, like, yeah. I'll, I'll bust him up. I'll crane him. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so, here we go. We get into this place, and the lady that talks to us, she's really nice. And the guy's like, we've got these vehicles. And we're like, okay, we'll just we'll pick this because, obviously, this isn't working. This isn't going to fit, you know, right what we need and different stuff. And so... We go in and we talk about it. We go over the whole contract with them. We talk about how there's a deposit that has to be paid, which was a $300 deposit. And then that comes out just as a pending charge and that goes directly back into your account. And we paid for the total of the car right up front, what it was. And it was what we had planned on in the first place. So I'm like, this isn't a bad deal. And they even made it where we could not have to come back and do what we did, like the clown car again, to go to the airport. We just could take the car to the airport, drop it off, take a picture, send it in. They have all these weird things they do now, like instead of just, you know, offer us a drink. Yeah, and they even were like, would you like water or coffee and stuff? And I'm like, no, I just want to get in the car and go. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I just want to be done. And so, but I was thankful, and we kept telling them, thank you so much for helping us. You guys are awesome. We're so appreciative. You guys are so nice. And then. <laughs> and we enjoyed the car. The car was great. We didn't have a problem with the car. We drop off the vehicle, right? And I go into my account. The pending charge had came off and everything was good. And I was like, wow, they actually like did what they said. Because the last time we rented a vehicle, I swear I got charged for the toll plazas like uh 50 times more than what I should have and had to call him and say, um, I'm pretty sure I'm not still driving through there. Can you quit charging my card for the tolls? You know what I'm saying? So I was like, I don't want to do that again. So we get going and mind you, we turn our car back in on the 16th. Oh, it was actually, yeah, we turned it back in on the 16th and we get on our flight, right? Everything was done. All taken care of. No deposit need taken off. No nothing. Read through the contract, all that stuff. Get home and I go to pay my bills and I do a lot of paying my bills online. So I get into my account and I look in and I was like, hold up. How come they just charged me $300 and took it out of my account? So I was like, no, you already took it out and put it back in. You can't take it out again. There's like, no, there, there's no take backs here. We know there this was isn't sand in the car. Yeah, you know, I was like, we've been in but, a beach 10 times or so. Yeah, but it wasn't like that. We let made sure like it was cleaned out. It was picked up besides just the sand. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's normal. You're in Florida by the beach. It's going to have sand in it. So I call the company and I say, hey, 
Um, you guys charge us the deposit, then you put it back in, and now it's taken back out, but you actually took it out of my account. And I don't understand why that happened. And the girl was like, well, I don't know. You need to talk to customer service. And no I was English. like, well, let me talk to customer service. And she's like, well, there's no number for customer service. I said, then you are customer service. And she said, no, no, ma'am, I'm not. You have to send an email. And I said, well, I'm just telling you right now, somebody's going to fix this because this is not how this is going to work. Y'all ain't taking my money because you already took it out and you put it back in. There's no take backs. No take backs. Double take backs. There's no, no, none of it. So she was like, she gave me the email and all that stuff. And so I sent them an email and I hadn't heard from them. So I called her back and I said, listen, I haven't heard from anybody. I need to know what's going on because I'm just telling you right now, the more that this lingers, you guys are going to think that you get to keep my money and I'm not just giving you a $300 tip. You're good, but not that good. So she says, oh, it takes one to three business days. And I'm like, no. So I go back in and look at my account. Nothing's been done. Nobody's called me. I call back now, and now they know my number, and they ain't answering. Oh, I'm getting not happy. No English now. We're so I call my bank because I'm like, you know what? I'm not, I'm not dealing with this anymore, and I call my bank, and I talk to them. Well, I look up online before I call my bank. I call them again to make sure that I had given a call. This is and a counseling session Yeah, this right is counseling right, right now. now. I'm getting it all out. You good? <laughs> yeah. So I tell them, I said, listen. I said, these people did what they did, and they took it out once, put it back in. If you look, it was on the 6th, because I'm pretty specific. I'm like, if you look, it was on the 6th, on the uh, 8th, it was put back in, and then after that, they took it out on the 22nd, and the guy's like, yes, ma'am, it's all shown here exactly as you've detailed. He said, did you try to con uh, communicate? I said, I have. I've communicated like five times. I've called. I've emailed. Nobody's answering now. I said, there's no explanation, but I said, somebody's going to give me my money back, and the guy was talking to me, and it's crazy how it all works out because when I looked up online after this, I looked at their reviews, and the first 20 reviews, every person had the same problem where they took their deposit and charged it for them again, if not double. And I'm saying this for the fact of... Check reviews. <laughs> yes. So <laughs> don't rent cars when you've been up 24 hours. It's not a good idea. Um, check reviews. But the fact of it is, is that I'm trying to say that the enemy is out to create any kind of rival he can in any circumstance that you are in. And how you respond can make a difference. Now, I could have went on and left this nasty email that nobody probably would have read. And I could have went on and left this review of, for all these things just like the other people did in detail and said really bad things about this company. Or I can just choose to say, I'm not going to do that again. And somebody's going to give me my money back, which my bank did give me my money back. Praise God, because they did say, this is really odd. We're just going to give you your money back. But the fact of it is, is when I chose, see, see our stand in the rivalry. See, I could have fought something and continued to fight it, but was I probably going to get a hold of them? No. So what did I do? I went to the right source, which was the actual bank. Well, this is what I'm trying to say. When you have a problem in the world, you can't go to the source of the world to fight it. You have to go to the right source that can handle it. I go to the father because he's the one who can handle it. I called my bank because they're the 
ones that can take care of it to get my money back. The problem of it is, is we are so busy in our rivalries that we don't know the source where we can go to figure out what we're trying to take care of. And we're so busy fighting in our own flesh because our selfish ambition, even though it may be in the right perspective, my perspective was right. I wanted my money back and I was robbed. But the fact of it is, as my selfish ambition could have taken me on a trail that was no worth and no good or else I can go to the source. What I'm trying to tell you is are you rallying to the source? Who's going to take care of the issues and the rivalries and the rallies and around you? Who, who are you going to? Who's going to stop the contempt that's being put against you? Only Jesus Christ. Only when you rally to him. That's where we have to rally. The rivalries within will stop when our desire for God becomes greater than the desire for self. He will gather the remnant who relinquishes their rivalries and readies themselves to rally. And I want to end with this scripture. God led me to the scripture and I want you to stand with me as we read it. It's powerful how he begins to move in things when you choose to focus him. And what's crazy is all that craziness was happening in the midst of me trying to write a sermon and get things done back in the church and stuff going. And I could have been so overwhelmed and focused on that small little rivalry that it would have taken me off the road to the rally. Where are you rallying to? And Jesus Christ says it like this in Isaiah eleven ten through 16. In that day... The heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation to all the world. The nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. In that day, the Lord will reach out his hand a second time to bring back the remnant of his people. Those who remain in Assyria and northern Egypt and southern Egypt, Ethiopia and Elam and Babylonia, Hamath and all the distant coastlands, he will raise a flag among the nations and assemble the exiles of Israel. He will gather the scattered people of Judah from the ends of the earth. Then at last, the jealousy will, between Israel and Judah will end. There will, be rival, there will not be rivals anymore. They will join forces to swoop down on Philistia to the west. Together, they will attack and plunder the nations to the east. They will occupy the lands of Edom and Moab, and Ammon will obey them. And the Lord will make a dry path through the gulf of the Red Sea. He will wave his hand over the Euphrates River, sending a mighty wind to divide it into seven streams so it can easily be crossed on foot. He will make a highway for the remnant of his people, the remnant coming from Assyria, just as he did for Israel long ago when they returned from Egypt. This is all about Christ. If you begin to study your Bible, this is talking about how God's going to gather the remnant of his people before the second coming of Jesus Christ. This whole part right here is the scripture about how he's going to bring the people together and take away the rivalry that is in the contempt within the church to bring people together to begin to rise up and rally to God. And my question to you today is, are you going to be busy rivaling? Or are you going to be busy rallying? What are you going to be doing? And what's your choice? You rally by standing for and in the truth of God. It's time for the remnant to rise. Not just remnant church. 
I believe we call this remnant for a purpose because God has called it that and declared it that. But it is truly time for the remnant of his people to begin to come together and rally for the cause of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Amen. As we end this today, we challenge you to think about the things that in your life that you are busy rivaling in. What's taking your focus off of God? What's taking your time? What's taking the things that you don't even need to be giving that effort to that, that you could be giving into the fight for Jesus Christ? If, are you tired, just like he says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you weary? He says, then, then take my burden upon you, for my, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. But when you carry the rivalries of the world on your shoulders, all you're going to do is be weighted down. It's not worth it. So we're going to pray and we're going to close out and then we'll end out in some worship. And like I said, it's a challenge to you. This is a challenge to you to ask God, what am I rivaling on? Am I too busy rivaling instead of rallying? And will I be able to hear the sound of the call of Christ? Or will my cries overtake it? Heavenly Father, we thank you today. We praise you for who you are. God, we come to you and we ask God that if there are anything inside of us that is trying to rival inside of us within ourselves first of who we are, God, that you would begin to separate that and set that aside. And God, if we have some rivaling within our families or within the church or within our, our friendships, God, or our work or whatever it may be, God, first of all, give us discernment to know what to separate from, not to run from but to separate from God because sometimes you place us in the midst of things to keep that stand but we need to know your way and your will God in our life so God we pray today that we would choose to rally to you and you would be our rally point you would be the one that we go to you would be the one that we choose God you would be the the, the choices God that set our path for us for the next day and the next day and the next day God, we thank you that you always provide for us a way to do the right thing. And God, I pray we would do so. Forgive us for focusing so much on fighting flesh with flesh that we've left the spirit aside. God, I pray today that everyone in this place would be encouraged by the spirit of God, that there would be a rise in them, God, that this would not be just some kind of type of coming together God but this would be a rally cry that's going out to tell them that Christ is coming and we need to be ready we need to be ready as a church to rally together ready as a people to rally our families and our loved ones to know that you are king of kings and lord of lords we thank you God for who you are and we thank you for what you're doing in us because you're the reason we're here may we never forget it in your mighty name, amen and amen. As we end, we're going to continue in some worship. You're welcome to stay around. And if not, we pray that you have a blessed week. And don't allow the things that are coming up to you to get you so riled up in the rivalries that you forget to rally with God. Amen.